Good day, listeners. Welcome to this edition of the Pure Sex Radio program. We're glad you've joined us. I'm your host, Jonathan Darty. Pure Sex Radio is produced by Be Broken Ministries. Be Broken's mission is to help men, women, and families move from sexual brokenness to wholeness in Christ and equip others to do the same. My guest today is Carla Downing, the founder of ChangeMyRelationship.com. She is a speaker, author, counselor, and Bible teacher. Carla grew up in a dysfunctional family and then found herself struggling with Christian codependency in her own difficult marriage. Through her personal struggles, she discovered biblical and practical principles, which she now teaches to others. Carla's passion is to see individuals, marriages, and families set free from the chains of dysfunction, misunderstanding, and emotional pain through a correct understanding of what the Bible teaches about relationships. In our conversation, Carla shares the 10 relationship-changing principles she uses to help difficult relationships thrive. We spend much of our time focusing on the principle she calls detach with love to help wives understand how to separate themselves in healthy ways from their betraying husband's actions and reactions. To learn more about Carla and her many resources, visit changemyrelationship.com. For additional resources, visit BeBroken.com or check out links in today's show notes. And please rate and review the podcast after listening to help others find it. Now, let's dive into the conversation with Carla. Well, all right, Carla Downing, welcome to the program. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm excited to get into our conversation. Yeah, I've been wanting to actually meet you for a while. Our Wives Care Coordinator, Gigi Hopkins, has spoken very highly of you and your ministry changed my relationship, and and we'll get into that in a little bit later. But um, I'm I'm super excited to be able to have you on here because I think your your background, your story, uh, the the principles that you're going to share are really going to connect with so many of our audience, especially I think the wives that are listening that are in a difficult relationship based because of some kind of sexual brokenness, and they need to just understand there's hope out there. So can you give us a little bit of a background, even in your, your own story, and what got you into this space of helping people who are struggling with difficult relationships? Yes, well, like many, I grew up in a dysfunctional family where my father was an alcoholic. He was also physically, emotionally, and verbally abusive with my mother. And so I was the oldest child, and it was my role in that family that I took on to try to rescue my mom and fix the problems and tell my dad that it wasn't right and things needed to change. And my mom, we needed to leave, and I helped my mom clean up the messes. I protected her. I did all of that at 20. I uh, My dad got sober when I was 17, and a little few years after he got saved, so my parents are 91 and 94, and they are still married today, which is amazing, but I was had a hole in my heart. I was desperate to get married, so mar- met my husband at 20 in church. He was 27. We had a five-month dating relationship and married at five months, so we planned a wedding in that time. So that was quick, and yeah, really quick. And you know, back then I didn't understand anything about dysfunctional relationships, you didn't hear about that. I thought, wow, my dad is sober, I met him in church, yay. Well, he was from a dysfunctional family, his dad was a narcissist, his dad was also abusive to his mom, so he didn't have a role model of really how to be a husband other than to do it the way that his dad did. So he ended up being emotionally and verbally abusive to me, and very controlling. I was very naive as a Christian and I thought, oh, I just need to submit to this, but it was incredibly painful. And I would try to tell him this doesn't feel right. It's not okay. And he was just very stubborn to not do that. So I went into Al-Anon at six months into, or uh, three years into our marriage 
I'm sorry, six years into our marriage. And I learned a lot of principles that seemed to help, but they didn't seem to be scriptural because I was hearing different things in church and reading different things. And so I just was confused, but I spent time just reading God's word. And I just thought, God, you're the author of relationships. You're the author of marriage. You have difficult relationships with us. It, your word has to teach healthy things. And it does. It took me 20 years of studying, reading, going to there, just trying, trying desperately to change my husband to just really learning these principles, applying them to where I kind of count that as kind of the 20 year mark in our marriage, where it was the 20 years was that. And then at 20 years, I was just really able to just let go and just say, look, you got to change. I mean, during that time, there were multiple times that I was setting boundaries and said, you know, if this continues, we can't stay together. But then at 20 years, it was just really kind of like a release where I felt like, okay, I'm God, I'm done just focusing on trying to fix him and change him. God called me to this ministry literally in a miraculous way through a conversation with my husband, through my husband buying me a brunch ticket at church. I mean, everything was just like ordained and God literally used him in every one of those steps. And then, you know, I really just began focusing on this ministry and just really using what God had taught me during those times. And then I went and got my master's degree in counseling. Um, and became a marriage family therapist, got licensed. And yeah, I, I wrote my first book uh, about 23 years into the marriage, The 10 Life-Saving Principles for Women in Difficult Marriages. And it's just been an amazing privilege to continue to share these principles. I continue to have difficult relationships in my life with other family members and my husband, uh, who is not perfect and neither am I. And uh, it's just been a, an amazing journey. And I'm just so grateful to be here. Yeah. Well, thanks for sharing that. I think, you know, as you're saying that, I'm thinking, um, yeah, you know, difficult relationships uh, is not sort of a separate category of relationship, right? Can't you say that there's actually difficulty of some sort in every relationship that we have? Can you speak to that a little bit about a little bit of the universality of difficulty, but also... How would you put that on a spectrum in terms of what you would what you're describing specifically as difficult yes. relationships? Well, you are correct. All relationships are difficult to a certain extent, but when I'm speaking of difficult relationships, really my materials applies to the ones that are really dysfunctional and have the degree of difficulty that means that there's perpetual problems, they don't seem to get resolved, they're cyclical, Typically, one person more than the other is trying to resolve issues and fix problems. So that person feels very alone. Uh, They're not going to marriage counseling and cooperating and both equally working on the marriage. Uh, Mm -hmm. And there's some some difficulty that is of some dysfunctional nature. If you have a difficult marriage and you're struggling through things, but you have a partner who will resolve issues with you, you're not going to feel this overwhelming despair, sadness, disappointment you know being alone and the struggles that you are in a marriage where you're just you know for instance your listeners dealing with sexual addictions and you know betrayal in the marriage and those are heavy things those are not things that all couples struggle with yeah I kind of liken it to I mean you could almost put it a parallel to that is the whole realm of addiction right yes Every everybody might have particular struggles with certain impulses or desires or even certain, you know, foods or 
whatever, there might be temptations in those areas, but there's a whole different category of somebody that then becomes addicted to a substance or addicted to a behavior, right? Because you're talking a little bit about that chronic nature and it's ongoing and cyclical and probably getting worse too, right? Yes, right. So yes, everybody ha- might have, you know, a compulsion or, you know, like I, I often say, oh, I'm, I'm addicted to iced tea. I have to have my iced tea every day. And I can remember dragging my family around New York City going, why don't they sell iced tea in New York City? And, you know, we would walk blocks. I'm getting my iced tea. I'm getting my iced tea. But that is not destructive. That is yeah. not something that is um, causing damage to my life, to my relationship, to my job, to my finances, to, you know, to legal. It's not threatening to destroy my marriage. It's, in other words, it's just something that I do that maybe, you know, I'm not comfortable if I don't do it. You know, I want my iced tea. But it's not causing that destruction. It's not getting worse. It's not causing those, those deep problems in the relationship. Yeah, you briefly mentioned earlier uh, the book that you wrote. And it contained these 10 life-changing or relationship-changing principles that were in that. What I would love for you to do for our audience is if you could just uh, list and tell us what those principles are. But there's, a, there's one in particular that I'd really like for us to unpack, and it's that detach with love principle. But yes. first, can you just share with us what the 10 principles are? Yes. And these were things that I I say healthy people do these in those difficult relationships that more healthy people have without these problems. They do these things. These are healthy things. We lose these things or have not learned these things in our really difficult, destructive, dysfunctional relationships. And that would be first thing I always do is understand scriptural truths. I always put a foundation of what does the Bible say about relationships and from my own experience working with others, I know the things that trip most people up. So we talk about the misconceptions that many people hold about what the Bible says about relationships. Then we talk about reaching out and getting support, getting that isolation, understanding the problem of what you're dealing with. It's very important. You've got to know what does addiction mean? What is an addiction? How does an addiction work? What what are the components of betrayal? What is, you know, whatever it is that you're dealing with. The third one is change yourself not him or change yourself not them depending on who it is or her Uh, and that basically and and that that is you don't try to force the other person to change you recognize that you are powerless over being able to force somebody to change their behavior or to even want to change you have to take your focus off of that obsession of trying to find out discover catch that person force that person to be different and turn it around and say what can I do to make my life better? What can I do to change my reactions? What part do I have? Maybe it's just in reacting to the problem that the person that my partner has. Maybe it's just the way I respond, but I need to look at that. The fourth one is detaching with love. We are going to discuss that at length. The fifth is nurturing yourself. It starts with self-care. Often we have a misconception as Christians that we should not take care of ourselves, that we have to put others first continually. And certainly when we are dealing with somebody's addiction or finding out about a betrayal, we tend to focus solely on what's going on with the other person and we forget about taking care of ourselves we have to go back in and take care of ourselves emotionally spiritually physically relationally mentally and do it in a way that is really healthy the sixth is facing your fears you have to face those fears there's fears in difficult relationships there's a lot of fear when you find out that your your husband has had an affair or has 
been uh, engaging pornography behind your back. I mean, the fear is, is it's real and it's, it's can stop you from doing what you need to do, but we need to process those fears and do the right thing anyway. Then the next one is speaking the truth in love. And I tell people, you might be speaking the truth, but it might quite, it might be too much. It might be the wrong thing that you're saying, or you might not be speaking your truth at all out of fear that it's going to cause that person. And this would be for both of men and women. It's going to cause your spouse to lose, to leave, or it's going to cause your spouse to get mad or it's going to cause your spouse to be upset with you or it's going to hurt your spouse Uh, and then it's setting boundaries and setting boundaries of course we know is super important but that's the last setting all of them can come in any orders except setting setting boundaries setting boundaries has to come near the end because you've got to do all those other things in order to set a boundary and Mm. then the ninth one is taking care of your children. How do you take care of those children in that difficult relationship and those things that are going on? And then the 10th is entering God's rest. And that's all about letting go, that living one day at a time, acceptance, grieving the losses, and being able to let go and put the past behind you and move forward, and then allowing God to use what's happened to you in whatever way he chooses, even if that's just to comfort one person that comes along your path in the future, or to change you into somebody, or to make your marriage better. Because often, believe it or not, marriages, you, you know this, get better after an affair mm-hmm. or betrayal. Wow, so there, that's, there's, there's a lot there. And, and later on, we're going to let people know where they can get access to all of those uh, principles. But I really do want to hone in on that, that one that you call detach with love. Mm-hmm. Um, first of all, what does that even mean? And why is that so important as a relationship changing principle? Well, healthy people do this. They're in a, cl- a close relationship, and yet they maintain their individuality. Okay, so detaching is is the opposite of being so attached and so enmeshed and couples in that you're dealing with that's the first thing is your your that fear of of letting go and being separate so it's that feeling of if my husband is in a bad mood i'm going to be a bad mood if my husband is upset i'm upset for the husband if if i see my wife uh upset about something and in a place of grieving i have to feel that and be there with her and allow that to change the focus of where i am if my spouse is angry i've got to be angry if my i've got to react to that anger i've got to change that anger i've got to fix that anger if my spouse is hurting or grieving i've got to go in there and i've got to fix that grieving i got to talk her out of being in that place of grieving i've got to make it so she's not upset both of them need to learn that we have to be able to connect with and care about what our spouse is going through, but not take it on. So allow your spouse to be in a bad mood, but you can still be in a good mood and have a good day. Allow your spouse to be in a place of being angry and let that let your spouse work through that anger on their own. You care about it, you're concerned about it, but you don't have to fix it and change it and you don't have to go there with them. So it's literally about being able to be an individual. It helps you to tolerate the emotions that your partner is, your spouse is experiencing. It uh, allows you to stop and think, where am I at? not react, but to choose how to act, to choose how to respond, to choose how, what you're going to say, what you're going to do. It is not pulling back 
and not caring. It's not abandoning. It's never shutting down feelings and saying, I'm not going to feel this. No, it's feeling what you're feeling and then saying, how am I going to react to this feeling? How am I going to act on this feeling? How am I going to handle this feeling? And then the other component of it, of it is not enabling. You know, recognizing that there are consequences that come from choices that people make and that that person needs to experience the consequences of those choices. So you need to be strong and not enable what is going on out of fear or out of concern or out of, you know, over tolerating or fixing whatever those, the, the root of that might be. Yeah. Now I, I know that all of these principles uh, obviously can apply to male or female. Yes. Uh, but for the sake of the rest of our conversation, I'd really like to focus on the wives. Okay. In terms of what this looks like. And and so one of the questions I have there is when you think about this idea of detaching with love, do you see any particular, uh, I don't want to say, necessarily say greater, but maybe just different challenges maybe that wives have to this principle than maybe a husband would? Or just what are some of the key challenges that you see women having in really embracing this principle well? Yes. Well, when you're talking about betrayal, I mean, the fears and the the hurt are so overwhelming when you talk about sexual betrayal, that it's hard to separate yourself from that pain and from that betrayal. And there's so much fear attached with it happening again, or your husband slipping, or is he doing it again, that that fear causes you to be hyper focused on him, which is the opposite of detachment. Now, I'll I'll say right up front, if you don't know that your husband is having an affair, if you think he is, but you're not sure, or you think he's looking at pornography, but you're not sure, you need to find out. You have that right to know. You need to do whatever it takes for you to find out the truth. But once you find out the truth, you're don't spend every day checking his computer, checking his phone, checking how many times he's looked at something. Let go of that obsession to know all of those things. I mean, you get to know, is it happening or is he working on his sobriety? Is he committed to counseling? You don't, it's like you would say, if your husband is working on getting better, he's in recovery, he's doing counseling. You don't have to do that for him. You have to work on your own recovery. So when we talk about being separate as an individual, he's here, you're here, the wives have to say, I've got to get better for me. I've got to get strong for me. I can't make him do what he needs to do. And I can't focus on that. So I'm not going to ask him every day, how are you feeling? What's going on? Are you being tempted? Are you looking at anything? Are you thinking about her? That is going to keep you from getting healthy yourself. I mean, you've got what you've got to do is figure out, okay, am I Am I in this? Am I willing to work through this? Am I willing to give him the space that he needs to have in order to heal in order to get over that affair. You know, he has to get over that affair too. There's a grieving that he goes through. So if you look at your husband and every time you see him looking serious, you think, oh my gosh, he's thinking about her and you're freaking out. That is all you're going to be doing. You've got to back up and you've got to say, I've got to, I've got to be willing to take care of myself. I've got to be willing to let him go to take care of himself on this journey of us trying to put our marriage back together. And if I don't focus on me, it's not going to work. Because 
it you can't if you're hyper focused on him that he's going to be reacting to you mm-hmm. make sense yes did that absolutely. answer your question as i'm as i'm hearing you though one of the things that i one of the questions that i would have is and i know that that there's you know every wife is different in terms of personality history yes. all that kind of stuff but in your experience what are some key practices that you have seen help wives do this principle well like in terms of some really tangible practical things that help her to like not only just think in the sense of trying mm-hmm. to detach and say i need to take care of myself there is a there's a there's a person here that needs needs care as much as he may need you know, to be taken care of. What are some practices that you've seen help women move further into this principle? Mm -hmm. Well, number one is getting your own support group. You got to have your own support group. Even if you have, if you're going to counseling with him, many wives go to their own counselor in addition to going to counseling with their husbands, or if they're not ready to do counseling together, she has her own counselor and her own support group. And you've got to actively engage in that support group and in that counseling, because that is what's going to help you heal your betrayal and the things inside of you that are so wounded. Uh, The other thing is to not constantly ask him, what are you thinking? What are you doing? Not to act out on those feelings of fear. To have a plan, like a, a plan for your, like, okay, this is what my day is going to be. And then reg- I'm, this is my schedule. This is my day. Regardless of what you see your husband doing or what goes going on with him, if he gets in a mood or he seems to be down or he's withdrawn, you still do your day. You still do what you had planned because you have your life and it's okay for you to follow through if he doesn't want to go somewhere you still go so that way you are actually doing what you need to do to take care of yourself if he if he has a reaction or he's doing something that is disturbing you you try to step back and say to yourself what would a third like detachment is almost like being like a third person in the room so mm-hmm. it's trying to be objective so it's like if there were somebody watching this what would they see in me and what would they see in him and maybe what would they see that right now I'm not seeing like my emotions are telling me ah he's thinking about her or he's he's withdrawn so he must be doing pornography again no somebody else might say oh maybe he had a hard day at work maybe he's tired maybe he's just seriously thinking about things and processing something I don't know what it is so I need to not assume I need to not act on that fear and the other thing is detachment is something that you literally like I say first you feel your feeling and then you say to yourself if I were perfectly detached emotionally spiritually physically mentally right now what would I be doing would I be reacting would I be watching him would I be asking him what are you thinking what are you thinking what are you thinking or would I be continuing to fix dinner and playing and then going to play this game with the kids or help the kids with the homework or would I go ahead and go to the store like I was going to go to the store rather than stay home because I'm fearful he might go on the computer okay if I were perfectly detached what would I do and then you have to do something called act as if with detachment you 
you pretend you're detached with your actions, even though your emotions are still attached to the situation and your husband, but you act as if you're detached. And then eventually the emotions follow the actions and you are able to say, I'll give you a practical example for me. My husband was emotionally and verbally abusive. So he got very angry uh, often about ridiculous things like something picky he would pick on it you know uh he he learned some narcissistic behaviors he's not a narcissist but he learned some of those behaviors from his um, dad and he would find small things and just be overly sensitive about something react to it and he would be mad at the beginning of our marriage that meant that I spent my entire evening trying to explain to him why he should not be mad at me, defending myself, telling him he's wrong, that I didn't do anything wrong, that it's not, not right. I would get completely upset. The house was in turmoil because that would mean there was an argument. The children we're sitting there seeing the arguing. The dinner table would be stressed because we would still do dinner together and the kids, you could cut the stress with a knife. Then he might get mad at one of the kids or pick on something with the kid to deflect all that. And then there'd be a problem with the kid and the kid would end up leaving the table crying. The whole night was blown up. So if I could turn the clock back and do that today, I would see him be angry about that and I would one either not say anything if I thought that it was ridiculous I would realize that's a mood that's going to pass that's his problem to deal with if he wants to be mad at me about something ridiculous he gets to be mad I'm okay I'm happy I wasn't mad when he walked in I'm going to cook dinner if he's going to be in a bad mood we're going to eat separate or and then the kids and I are going to do the same thing that we were going to do or we're going to play a game or if it's too miserable in the house we're going to leave the house and go somewhere and have fun today when I don't have children in the house I literally could say to him and the moods happen way less often but let's say he's mad about something I know he's stressed with work because he works very hard still and he's upset I would say to him oh I can tell that you're upset um, if or if he tells me he's upset about something I might say something like I can but I can tell you're under a lot of stress and or I might say what you just said isn't true and then or I will say if he's if he's actually being angry and trying to engage me I'll say to him I'm willing to talk to you about it but not when you're angry so I'm going to leave the house right now and I'm going to let you manage this anger on your own and deal with whatever it is that's bothering you. And he will be very upset that I'm walking away, but I walk away and I finish doing something productive. I, I often keep a, a list of things I need to do that are like tasks if, if I can really get. So I'll go out to, the, we have an office in the back, um, things I have to work on. I'll go out there, I'll work on it. I'll put on music, I'll put on a sermon and I'll have a great night. He'll figure it out. The next day, he'll be over it. And if he's not, then he gets to sit in in another day. If he's ready to talk to me about it in a healthy way, I'll I'll go through it. But most of the time, when it's something like that, it's literally something he's passing through and there never needs to be a conversation. But there hasn't been a fight and I haven't ruined my night. I haven't raised my blood pressure and I am at peace. Does that make sense? Absolutely. So let me ask you this. How... how how can people misunderstand and misapply this principle? Okay, so it would be shutting down and not feeling. Okay, detachment means I don't have any feelings. I don't have any opinions about what's going on. I'm just numb. No, you feel 
the feelings. You pay attention to what's happening. You see it and then you make choices. How can I detach and love with this? The second thing is abandonment. Okay, I'm going to detach from him. I'm done with him. I'm not going to have anything to do with him. I'm not going to engage. I'm going to literally emotionally divorce myself. Now, there is a time after you find out about a betrayal and sexual addiction where you are pulled back. You are shut down. You are so wounded, but you don't stay there. If you're working on the marriage together, you're going to risk engaging. You're going to risk being, I mean, it, it hurts to go through all of those and you're going to feel those feelings. So it is not abandonment. It is still engaging in the relationship. And then the other one would be to detach, not in love, to detach in anger. And here's anger. Hey, jerk, you're angry at me again. Are you kidding? Do you think I want to talk to you about that? Do you think I want to listen to any of that? I am out of here. Just sit by yourself that would not be detaching in love. Detaching in love is, I will listen to what you say when you can talk to me about it without accusing and being angry. Or I need to leave for now because I don't want to engage in an argument. Um, or it could be something, one of the things my husband would do frequently when he would get in a mood about something is he'd <clears throat> cancel our plans. You know, I'm not going to, not going out. I'm not going to go to that movie. I'm not going to go to church with you. I'm not going to eat dinner with you. And um, I used to just, it used to ruin my night. Uh, then I got to where it would be like, okay, and I would still go. And so going under that in a wrong way would be, again, you know what? You don't want to go. I'm going to go without you and I'm going to have fun. Going with detaching with love would just be saying, hey, hun, okay, that's okay. You don't have to go. That's your choice. I'm going to still go. I'll be back later. Have a nice night. And and mean that. Mm -hmm. and, yeah. and you truly can mean that and just say, look, he doesn't have to go. He has it's a right to choose not to go, but I have a right to choose to go. Yeah. But you go with the right attitude. And then you go and you have fun. You don't go and think about him all night. You go and you focus on what you're doing. And it is such freedom. I, I'd say to people when they come into, when, when I was doing personal counseling uh, in the office, I would say, if I, when I teach you to detach, I am going to set you free. And in my class, classes, I say the same thing. When you learn detachment, you are going to be free. I will have people run up to me and say, Carla, 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 I learned, I did it, I did it, I detached. And they'll be so excited and they'll tell me this awesome example of how they were able to apply it in their own situation and the joy of just being able to not like have that chain attached from them to the uh, to their to their husband and just feel like everything he do is just you know jerking them around and and yet being able to be loving and kind it's just being can you be so you don't feel like you love him right now you're so hurt can you just be kind and courteous like you would to a guest in your home mm -hmm. okay do that yeah so i have a couple more questions uh one is um you know i think i think uh a a passage in scripture that has been often misunderstood and misapplied as it relates to marriage is the single passage that is given throughout all of scripture regarding marriage and the two shall become one flesh, right? Yes, exactly. So this idea of oneness, how does this principle of detach with love jive with the biblical understanding of two becoming one? And maybe even if you want to speak a little bit to maybe how that passage has even been misunderstood in terms of what it means in marriage. Because I personally think a lot of people have taken that 
that um, that idea and falsely applied it as an enmeshment principle exactly. rather than what it was intended for. But can you okay, share so a little God, bit about how yeah. your principle jives with that? Yes. I mean, we are one in spirit before the Lord, and we are a picture of Christ and the church. Mm-hmm. However, we will each give an account of our life to the to God. Okay, so the husband will give his own account. He is not going to be able to say, my wife and I, oh no, God's going to go, you, sir, you, what did you do? No finger pointing, right? Uh -uh, (laughs) No finger pointing and no we in that. It's basically, what did you do? What did you do? I don't care if your wife did something, you're responsible for how you reacted. If the the husband did something, I want to know how you reacted. I want to know what you did with the choices and the situations you were given. We will each answer for our own lives. That in itself reminds us that we are individuals. We are all still stewards over the things that God has given us. We are stewards over all of our time, our resources, our knowledge, our ability, our marriage. Individually, we are re- we are a steward over our marriage and the choices that impact our marriage. So basically, we are one before the Lord. So thinking that you are two, that you're, I mean, we're, we're separate people before the Lord, even though we are married as a unit, as a symbol of Christ in the church. In heaven, we will still, we'll, be, we'll go back to being separate. We're not going to be married mm-hmm. in heaven, okay? So right. we are. So basically, it can be misconstrued by thinking, "I have to do everything with my husband. If he's if he stays home, I have to stay home. If he doesn't go, I have to. If he, if he doesn't go to counseling, I can't go to counseling. If he doesn't make a right choice, then I've I've got to back him up, or I've got to do everything he does. I've got to feel what he feels. I can't make a separate choice. I can't say to him, okay." You've chosen this, but I've chosen that. And one of the things I talk about is detach, allowing your, the, each other to make your own choices with dignity. You know, when Jesus, my favorite scripture that talks about detachment in the Bible is when rich young ruler came to Jesus and he's like, how do I have the way to eternal life? And Jesus is like, for you, you need to give up your riches and follow me. And he's like, uh, no individual choice right he goes no okay a meshed wife yes 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 you have to you have to you have to you know i'm going to grab onto you i'm going to tackle you i'm going to say okay half your riches not all your riches a quarter of your riches the installment town plans 10 percent down you have to you have to and i'm going to drag you by your feet and i'm going to sit there and i'm going to lecture you and i'm going to tell you you know but jesus just said to him okay Mm -hmm. he let him choose his own road with dignity. Now, that is so hard in our marriages because we're scared the person's going to choose to leave us. We're scared the person's going to, we're scared our husbands are going to choose to continue in pornography, that they're going to slip, that they're going to see, we're afraid to show them our pain because they react to it or it's so hurtful to them that we don't want to hurt them. So we don't want to show them the, the depth of our pain and the grief, but we have to, that's part of the healing process. They have to be able to tolerate that at some point in order for us to feel completely healed and be able to reattach in the right way in the marriage and have that hurt uh, resolved and put behind us. So it's basically recognizing I've got to work on my own recovery and I've got to let go and let him work his process and I have to let him choose and I Mm -hmm. have to choose for me. 
So I have one. I have one other question before we uh, wrap up here. What distinction would you give between this principle of detach with love and the other principle that you have of setting boundaries? Because they seem like they have a little overlap. How do you distinguish the two? And maybe is it that important that there be such a distinction? Well, there there doesn't have to be in real life other than, other than when I teach the principles, I want people to literally understand them, but I tell them it's not one to the exclusion of another. It's mm-hmm. what tool do I need to pick up? What principle do I need to pick up right now? And detachment doesn't mean that you just say, okay, whatever he wants to do, he gets to do. He gets to make any choice he wants. Oh, no, no, no. We're talking about about detaching from his choices with love, giving him space to recover. But now there is a time to set a boundary. And the boundaries are basically when you get to that bottom line of what are the conditions that I can heal under in a marriage that has sexual issues? What do I need to heal? And when I teach boundaries, I tell people, you focus on the I will and I will not. So it's not you have to do da, 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 husband. It's I will be able to stay in this marriage under these conditions. I will not stay in the marriage under these conditions. Or I will be okay with a computer in the house if the computer has the software on it that limits where you can go. I will be able to... Uh, handle it if you give me the passwords to all of your devices. I will not be able. I will not be okay if you still have passwords that I don't have on your devices. And so mm-hmm. the women have to really get down with what is what am I willing to live with and not live with, and that takes time, and that's scary too because that he he gets to choose to say yes or no. Yeah, and that's hard. Because you're taking a risk, but it, all of these things have to happen at some point in the journey. Yeah, and I love what you're saying here as we wrap up, because you're you're reminding these wives that they are not powerless in Correct. the relationship. That, and I, I think you know, not to get too far onto a sidebar or even a whole other podcast, I feel like we have not done a very good job in the church, generally speaking, in really communicating to wives, Christian wives, that they are not powerless in their marriage. They're not voiceless. They're not, uh, it's, it's not as if they don't have any power to make decisions for themselves, for the health of not only themselves, but also for their marriage. So I appreciate what you yeah. put together here. And uh, now I'd love for you to be able to share with our listeners, where can they go to get more information about you, your ministry, um, resources that they can get to really dive even deeper into these principles? Well, everything is on my website, changemyrelationship.com. And on there, I have my books. I have my studies. I do my studies by Zoom and also in person, but in Orange County, California. Uh, and so th- those are an option. And all of my studies have helped or would be helpful. I've had many wives in my classes that have gone through sexual betrayal. I have um, YouTube videos, over 200 videos. I do have a podcast with some uh, testimonies of people who've gone through uh, marriage difficulties and come out on the other side. I, I answer questions that people send to me through email 
in long emails with in-depth questions. I read them, I answer them. I do um, paid consults for people who want a paid consult. And uh, I do Facebook posts every single day. And then I have some things on Instagram. So I am, it's all there. The links are all there. They can sign up for my free subscription and they can begin to get my emails that have a weekly devotional and new things out. So um, I'm, I'm very, it's all very, very affordable. I'm, my ministry and my heart is to help people to get to heal. And yeah. um, I'm right there with them. I'm, I'm still working on difficult relationships in my own life. We yeah. journey together. Yeah, well, we're, we're, we're all in we're process, all. right? I mean, <laughs> yes. none of us ever, we don't arrive this side of heaven. Uh, so. uh-uh. Well, Carla, thank you. This has been a great conversation. And I know in many ways, we only kind of scratched the surface because there's so much more that we could have talked about. But thank you for being with us today. Oh, thank you for having me. It was really a privilege. Yeah. And we'll be sure to put all of that information in the show notes, listeners, so that you can get access to Carla's resources at changemyrelationship.com. We're always grateful that you've been with us. And we look forward to seeing you back here again next time on the Pure Sex Radio program. Take care. Pure Sex Radio is paid for by Be Broken Ministries. Visit us online at puresexradio.com.